The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. This is the Ben Burnett Show, the only show in America that features a one-term has-been retired politician that nobody knows. On Welcome Extra into the Ben Burnett Show. Super grateful to have you. You can follow me on social media, Twitter, at Ben Burnett. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at the Ben Burnett Show. This is Extra 106.3, Atlanta's all-conservative talk station. We're clearly still in the dog days of summer. Everybody's recessed in Congress. The Georgia General Assembly's out, which means there's only so much harm that they can do to you. Or is there? I think I go both ways on that. It never seems to end. You've got politicians lying to you, running for president on both sides. You've got plenty of good people out there. Thrilled to join the Morning Extra on Wednesday this week. We talked about my interview that I'd done a couple weeks ago with Mike Pence former vice president of the United States. This past week, I had Brad Nessler and talked about growing his career at CBS, going to ESPN. Now he's the play-by-play guy for CBS and the SEC. They're moving to the Big Ten. Talks about his relationship with Vern Lundquist, longtime play-by-play guy for the Falcons and Georgia Tech. An Atlanta guy, I guess an adopted Atlanta guy through and through. So I've gone back-to-back with some huge guests. We're going to take the week off. Uh, In the second segment, I've got my friend Mac Parnell from the Faith and Freedom Coalition, who's going to be calling in. They're having their big annual fundraiser. Congressman Rich McCormick and Barry Loudermilk are going to be there. They raise a ton of money to advocate in favor of religious freedom. They raise a ton of money to advocate for social issues on the right. And look, I don't always sit there and agree with everybody that I have on the show over everything, but I think it's important to hear from them. We don't do a really good job of that as a party anymore. We all agree on 97% of the issues, and we'd rather fight about the 3% that we don't. But look, I'm a guy, if I agree with you 80% of the time, you're not my enemy over the other 20. And I think we need a lot more of that. There's a lot of people that are clearly clinging to power. You know, over the long haul, they don't know what they're going to do. You saw Mitch McConnell this week at the Kentucky Chamber of Commerce, a place I have been a dozen times. Heard all sorts of really interesting people speak. Met some really, really great people in that part of the country over the last several years, and somebody asked him a question, a reporter from the ABC affiliate in Lexington, Kentucky, asked him, are you going to run for, are you going to run for president? Mitch McConnell is not running for president. I don't know that Mitch McConnell can finish a term. They said, hey, Mitch McConnell, Senator McConnell, are you going to seek reelection? And he locked up for the second time in as many months. He didn't have, he didn't have a response. He just froze. They had to get him out of there. I think it's sad. I am actually, I know there are a lot of Republicans who don't like big spending Mitch McConnell. I get it. I get all of that. I don't like people who aren't well making decisions on my behalf. I'm one of the people who agrees with Mitch McConnell a lot more than I don't. And I still feel that way. I think America deserves to be represented by the best and the brightest. And I think very few of us, myself included, will do our best work overall at over 80 years of age. I don't think that's partisan. I really don't. If you look 
at Dianne Feinstein, same kind of thing. She took a leave of absence out of the Senate earlier this year, so plenty of times she held up lots of votes to sit there and push the Democrat agenda. John Fetterman's another. I, I think so often that the political narratives sit there and drive and shape the conversations that we have, or in this case, the ones that we don't. And Mitch McConnell, the only reason that that man is still holding office in the United States Senate is twofold. One of them you can realize. He doesn't want to let go. It's his entire life. He's going to go home. He'll probably live 60, 90, 120 days. And I don't say this in a bad way. It's literally what the man lives for. I don't know that that represents most of us. I don't know that that represents almost all of you. Are any of you that loyal to a job or a career when you are no longer best for the needs of that organization? Are you going to are you going to continue to hang around because you've got time left to run out on the clock or are you going to go sit there and do something else with your life and enjoy the twilight of your life and your career? That's me. You know, I've sat there in elected office one of the real reasons that I gave it up after 4 years. I didn't want to get attached to it. Could I have run? Could I have won? Could I have done another term? Yes, 100%. I could have. But if you don't ever learn how to let go, you're doing a bunch of people in your life a disservice. A bunch of them. And I think that's where Mitch McConnell is. I think that's where the country is. There's over a dozen people in the United States Senate that are over 75 years of age. On both sides of the aisle, you can't look at me with a straight face and think that is the best that this country can do. And if I were sitting as a Republican in Kentucky today and I did not know that there was somebody out there to put their name on the ballot against Mitch McConnell, I'd do it myself. You can't take anything away from the guy's career and his legacy and what he's done for the state of Kentucky, and he's played the long game for the Republican Party. I know the guys, Tigrano and Carlos Medina, I know that they will push back on me for that. Mitch McConnell has put the needs of his party ahead of the needs of the winds of today. He has played the long game for a long time. You can criticize him for that. But the Republican Party is competitive. It has three justices on the bench from the Donald Trump administration alone because Mitch McConnell was well enough and had his abilities. He always knew what the battlefield looked like. If you asked me the most important thing in politics from a leadership perspective, from the Senate Majority Leader or the House Speaker of the House, it is the ability to pass over the wind today for the longevity of the idealism that represents Republicans in the long term. Nobody exemplifies that or exemplified that greater than Mitch McConnell did. But it's time to go, and it's time to go for a bunch of them. And guys, what's really sad is that the voters are largely responsible. A six-year term is a long time. There's a world of difference between somebody who is 65 years of age and 71. There's a world of difference between somebody who is 74 years old and somebody who is 80. I'm not going to say there aren't people who are 80 who can't do a fantastic job in the United States Senate. If we can set a floor for age with our elected representatives, an 18-year-old voting age, a 25-year-old can represent me in the House of Representatives, a 30-year-old can represent me in the United States Senate, why can't we have the conversation and work that the other way? We spend a lot of time, I don't agree with plenty of the politics of California. I don't. Why does that not cut both ways? The people in California, Gavin Newsom included, knows that Dianne Feinstein is not the best answer for the Democrats in 2023. She's not. In the same way, I don't even care if they're liberal. You look at the difference in the cognitive abilities between her and Kamala Harris, who was a one-term 
United States Senator from California, now is the vice president in the Biden administration. You can hate on Kamala Harris for all sorts of things. She doesn't speak very well in public. Guys, I have no doubt that her brain doesn't work. It works. She's over 50 years old. I understand everything about having a woman of color. I understand everything about having a the first woman vice president of the country. I get all of it. But age should, if it has a floor, it needs to have a ceiling. I bet two-thirds of the people in the United States of America could sit there and pass a constitutional amendment that restricted the age. Now, will the House and will the Senate let that on the floor? Probably not. But that is an issue that everybody in every single state should be able to get behind. Because it does matter. If you think about what the responsibilities are of that person, like I would, I, I love the people who worked for me on the Alpharetta City Council from a professional staff perspective. I think they were all really, really intelligent. But I don't think all of them always saw their best days. I don't. When, when, when I sat there, one of the people that we really leaned on got incredibly ill, sick, you know, eventually passed away during my term in office, wrote all sorts of ordinances, regulation. And I think it was a really great concern that we had that it was not best for our city at the time to have that guy in office. And we didn't do anything about it, even though every once in a while behind closed doors, people would bring it up and say, hey, is this the right thing moving forward? In the same way, don't you have to look at your elected representatives and think, if there's a floor, there's a ceiling. I do not want anybody in elected office in the United States to be over 75 years of age. One of my best friends in the world is a guy named Tim Evans. He sits on the Georgia Board of Regents. Tim is an incredibly successful guy. He's built a ton of the automobile manufacturers all over the Southeast. He's worked with Mercedes. He's working with Hyundai. He's working with He's worked with an expansion with the Kia plant. He's worked at BMW. They do an, they do an insane job. They're a, an enormous three comma plus general contractor, billions of dollars in revenue annually. They're the success story. He's the first, he, he founded the company from absolutely nothing and grew it there. And they passed in the bylaws with their board of directors that when somebody reached a certain age in their early 60s, they could no longer be the CEO of that company. That's somebody in their 60s. That is a privately held company. The public interest of the United States is far too important to continue to elect and reelect and reelect people who are in their late 70s and 80s because there's plenty of people. You can criticize my politics all day long. At this point in 2023, I have a better understanding of what the needs of the American people are than Mitch McConnell. And I don't take anything away from him. I don't take anything away from what he's done, but it's time to go. And he won't. I told you one reason. The people in the House and the Senate, they won't let it go. And no, he's not going to run for re-election. But two, the state's governed by a Democrat, Nandy Bashir, And that will give the Democrats another vote. And so he's going to hang on until the Republicans have a fighting chance to send somebody new to that seat. But at the same time, can a Democrat, if they had a two-seat majority— and they do. If the Democrats were 52-48, 51-49, like it is today, does another Democrat really hurt the politics in America? I don't know. You can catch the Ben Burnett Show on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'm actually going to take the week off of Labor Day. I'm grateful to have each of you. Coming up in the second segment, I've got my buddy Mac Parnell from the Faith and Freedom Coalition. He's going to talk about what the issues are with respect to the religious community on the right. 
the social right. We don't have those all the time here on Extra 106.3. We like to have we like to have fights over cultural issues, but I think it's good for you to hear from everybody. And the Faith and Freedom Coalition does a fantastic job of driving issues and advocacy forward with respect to the state of Georgia and the respect and with respect to the United States of America. This is Extra 106.3 Atlanta's all-conservative talk station. We will be right back. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs. With Blue certified, nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. This is the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to the Ben Burnett Show. My guest today is Mac Parnell from the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Mac, how are you? Oh, doing well, Ben. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for making the drive over. It is always good to have people who create your perspective, bring forward advocacy issues, work in public service, work around public service, have to work with any number of elected officials, I would guess sometimes even across the aisle. Of course. If I look at right-leaning groups in the state of Georgia, I have to feel like you guys are one of the most social conservative organizations that advocates today. Well, I appreciate that. And we certainly don't shy away from the social issues. We focus on those. We're wholeheartedly pro-life, but we recognize that the state of Georgia, there's a lot going on in the state and there are different issues that we focus on too. Criminal justice reform, making sure that the business environment is solid. And because we believe that a strong family as a strong Georgia and people having jobs, people being able to take care of themselves, people being able to come out of the criminal justice system and find a job is better for the state. Mac, where did you go to school and how did you grow up? Grew up in Conyers, Georgia, which is on the east side of Atlanta, out I-20 a little bit. A shorter university in northwest Georgia in Rome said that I could join the football team. I wasn't very good, but they said I could walk on. And so I I played a couple seasons uh, there. I redshirted my freshman year, then had some back surgery and some health issues my sophomore year. So had to uh, hang up the football cleats, but... It was disappointing because I had my identity wrapped up in being a, this you know big, beefy football player. I was about 50 to 75 pounds heavier. I was an offensive lineman. But after after the, God closed the door on that, he opened the doors to so many other things, which uh, I, as an end result, I met my wife, uh, have the job that I have, and God is good. When you get out of school, what are the questions that you're asking yourself? And I ask this for two reasons. You got a lot of young people who listen to my show, and they wonder how can you get into public service without being somebody that is a quote-unquote elected official, and you clearly are not, and I clearly am not anymore, mercifully. How do you evaluate what you want to do and where you feel like your life is headed? Well, first of all, public service, and particularly being an elected official, I truly believe it has to be a calling. If you're not in it for the right reasons, it's going to eat you up because you see – 
what what I saw from the outside, you know, in, in college and high school was I just saw what, what what's on TV and, and the interviews and the going to events. I didn't actually see the daily grind of what it takes to get elected to a state rep, to a, st- a state representative position or, or much less Congress. And uh, while I was in college, I, I interned in the governor's office and I also helped out on a congressional campaign and ultimately successful congressional campaign. But I saw the behind the scenes, how much work goes into it and the meaning behind it. And it, it kind of opened my eyes and, and I realized that it's really it's really got to be a calling. But there are other opportunities. If you're if you're a young person that's thinking about getting into public service, I would just say just just jump in. And what I mean by that is right now we're in the presidential cycle. There are tons of presidential campaigns. They're always looking for volunteers. They're always looking for interns. They're always looking for door knockers and, and, and getting your foot in the door that way. Getting that experience is, is what I did uh, at, at the congressional level. But there's always campaigns in Georgia that are looking for help. And then that that can let you know if that's something you're interested in or open up other avenues to if, if whoever the candidate you're working with is successful, there's opportunities there. And there's other organizations like mine and, and different advocacy organizations that focus on different issues that might be interested in using your skill set. You said you interned in the governor's office. Which governor was it? It was Governor Nathan Deal, and I was in the governor's office of highway safety. Mac, you were a very involved guy with the General Assembly. And when you watch TV in 2023, almost everything they pick, the, the national media will pick and choose states and issues that it wants to cover. But by and large, they leave the state of Georgia and 98% of its issues alone. And I don't know that that is what is the, the perspective that I always tell people is that if you want to make a difference and you want to be involved and you want to actually see positive things happen to your community, the closest way to do that are the elected officials who are closest to you. The, the priorities of Fox News and CNN and MSNBC, it's almost inverse to what the reality of the situation is. Because you can get so much more done or the ideas or access to your state house or your state senator than you ever will. I have a wonderful relationship with Congressman Rich McCormick. He is a friend of mine. But I'm kind of the exception. There's not a lot of people who just like can call him on a Tuesday and be like, you want to have lunch? If you spend your time with your city councils and your county commissions and your state house and senate, you can actually help them drive ideology forward. And and I know that you guys have a huge umbrella to what you do from a national perspective and in the state of Georgia. But talk about the differences in the things that you're behind today that you've seen tangibly move. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And one thing about Congressman Rich McCormick, uh, he, he's a good friend of mine as well. And I was at a meeting with him last week and there was about 150 people all from all stripes in this room. And you know what he did? He gave out his cell phone number to 150 people in that room. So that shows his accessibility. Now I know, I mean, he might not be able to respond to every message. He's got about 750,000 people in his, in the sixth congressional district. And, but it just shows his level of engagement. And he's a, he's a wonderful individual. Uh, like I said, a friend of mine, friend of yours, and, and he does a great job in Congress representing his uh, constituents, but you're exactly right. I mean, that's the way the founders intended it. They intended the government closest to the people to be the most accountable and your school board, can affect your bottom line, your tax dollars, a lot more than the federal government can. Sometimes. Uh, with, with property <laughs> tax. And I know uh, my uh, my wife and I just put in our appeal of our property tax because it went up 
just a, giz, a gazillion percent. Uh, it was unbelievable. But that's that's what we see. You see exactly what you, you served on the city council. So you have city council, school board, and the state legislature that impact your life on a daily basis way more than the federal government does. You hope. But, but, but the federal government gets the majority, the lion's share of the headlines. So talk about some of the issues with the Faith and Freedom Coalition today that you guys are front and center on. This last legislative session, our number one issue was expanding school choice, uh, making sure that kids in failing schools had the opportunity to go to a school that isn't failing, to, to be, for their parents to be able to direct their education. And ultimately, that bill fell short by six votes in the House. It passed the Senate with unanimous Republican support, but fell six votes short in the, in this, in the House. And at, coming out of that, we saw Representative Misha Maynard, who is a Democrat, uh, she switched parties primarily because of that issue, primarily because of the ostracization that she received from the Democratic Party over that one issue and letting parents parents engage. So, uh, we also uh, were supportive of legislation that would ban COVID vaccine passports so that people don't have to worry about the government requiring a COVID vaccination. And another issue, I mentioned criminal justice reform. We had an occupational licensing bill. The occupational licensing process is, is, is broken. So if somebody wanted to be a... Uh, let's say a barber, you have to get an occupational license for that. But if they had a petty theft conviction, the board might be able to prevent them from getting that occupational license. So what this bill simply did is it says, if you've served your time, come out of the criminal justice system, if it's in an unrelated matter, so we're not talking about somebody being a financial advisor, you know, that who's convicted of fraud or something like that. Talking about, you know, somebody in an unrelated matter, you should be able to receive that occupational license so you can provide for your family. Uh, That that bill also it passed the Senate, which not many things do with unanimous support from both sides of the aisle. Uh, It it didn't get a vote in the House, but we're going to continue working on that uh, this next legislative session. And there was, of course, the tax refund. Uh, There was some. There's some pro-life legislation that we can get into that was uh, expanding TANF benefits, temporary assistance for needy families that Governor Kemp signed that was authored by Representative Sue Hong. And that, that's a pro-life piece of legislation that allows uh, women who find themselves who find themselves pregnant, if they, if they qualify for those benefits, instead of them being applied at birth, it lets them be applied at conception, which matches what the heartbeat bill is, essentially. And it's a government... It's a government assistance, but it just recognizes that life begins. It doesn't expand the – it still keeps the same timeline. I think it's about four years that you can use these TANF benefits for, but it just moves the start date back to recognize that when you're a mom, it begins when you're – when when you get pregnant. At conception. Yeah. As you look – School choice is something all around the country. I am not against the concept of school choice. If that's what everybody wants to be after, it needs to be done correctly. What I am against is that there are several counties in the state of Georgia who subsidize the rest, their donor systems. Fulton is one, Cobb is one, Gwinnett used to be, I'm not sure, Cherokee's one, Forsyth is one, and five mils of their property taxes for education go to subsidize the rest of the state of Georgia, which on its face is socialism. And I think that if they can address that, I think that they will find the six votes. Because if I live somewhere that's really nice and I bought my house in a really nice part of town with really, really good schools, that was a decision and a sacrifice that I made based on my values. When you separate that and allow and, and allow anybody to go from failing schools, and I'm not talking about private schools. So if the tax credit is $6,500 and you want to send your kids to private school, I'm good. I don't care. But the failing schools, 
when you take kids out of environments that are failing, oftentimes it is not necessarily something that, in my opinion, can be legislated, like having a single-parent household or having only one involved parent. And it takes those bad schools for the people who can bus or hardship them, and they can anyway, to a school that is not at full capacity. It takes the bad schools and it makes them worse. I think you're actually going to exacerbate a problem. I, I would actually disagree with you on that because when you actually look at per, so per, does Cole Museum. Oh, for, for, when you look <laughs> at when you look at uh, per pupil spending. So if some if if somebody if this doesn't the the this specific bill that we worked on it doesn't affect the state it doesn't affect the local the local school tax that still stays in the system. It's static. So so on a per pupil basis, if somebody takes that sixty five hundred dollars of state funding, which is below the QVE below the QVE number. The per pupil spend actually goes up, so they're able to spend more money per student in those school systems. So, in theory, you have one less person you have to educate, and your funding goes up because you don't have to you don't have to have the expense of educating that person and have the additional body. So the class size goes down, and their spending goes up. So it has the potential to make those failing schools improve. I hope that you are right because I Me think too. I, because I think it will. It's not even that I'm on the other side of an issue. I'm not the guy who, when something happens, I root against because that's not healthy and it's not a best practice. If you look at law enforcement, ed- educators, for sure, that number can go down. But when you look at some of the hard costs, maintenance, facilities, public safety, those costs are the cost. You either need a cop or you don't. And 10 less students doesn't mean that you don't need a police officer or that the bathrooms don't need to be cleaned or some of the hard fixed costs don't change. Nothing is perfect. Like I said, I'm not somebody who roots against it. I just don't want to see the places that people have gone out of their way and worked hard and chosen to invest their dollars and live in those communities for a specific socioeconomic reason be damaged by people who want to be bust in whose families may not have the same values. And you're never going to legislate equity or fairness, all the all the fancy DEI words that they love to use that I don't mind using against them. I hope I hope you're right when it passes that it's the best bill it can be. I'm just not sure I'm where I could sit there and support such a measure today. Another thing that I want to talk to you about is criminal justice reform, which I think is something that very few people can fundamentally disagree with. When people say America is the freest country on the face of the earth, We have one of the highest incarceration rates in the entire world among first world nations. What are you guys looking at advocating for there? And how do you and how do you see meaningful change happening? Well, I mentioned our occupational licensing bill earlier that we worked on here at the state level. At the federal level, uh, we're starting to see the rewards of the First Step Act that was uh, that happened under the Trump administration with uh, Doug Collins and Tim Scott. And and it's interesting, you know, I, I was we had our national our national conference a few weeks ago at the end of June, we had all 12 presidential candidates there, President Trump, Governor DeSantis, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, everybody was there. Uh, and, and one of the sessions was, it was Doug Collins and a San Francisco alderman, 
uh, a female San Francisco alderman. Probably don't have a lot in common. They don't have a lot in common, but they both worked night and day on the First Step Act. You had Van Jones, who of CNN fame or infamy, depending on how you look at it. There's uh, no question the guy's intelligent. Yeah, that's right. And, and he was willing to engage on that issue because we, 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 we live in a red versus blue society, but there's some things that just need to get done so that people can have an opportunity. And I was talking with somebody who uh, lives in South Fulton and uh, and during the Trump administration, black unemployment was at the lowest that it has ever been in our nation. And so criminal justice reform is something that I, I truly believe everyone should get behind, whether you're coming from the left leaning side of things or from from our, we, we are conservative. We're, we're unabashedly conservative. But these are conservative solutions because it gets government out of the way. It's not a government solution. It's not a government program. It's allowing people to re-enter the private sector uh, for the First Step Act and also the occupational licensing uh, here at the state uh, that lets them have a job because them having a job, them contributing to the economy is going to be the best thing for our state and nation. Well, and not locking up nonviolent criminals right. for the rest of their lives over an ounce of marijuana. That's correct. Seems like a foolish use of my money. That's right. The Georgia Faith and Freedom Coalition is hosting their annual victory dinner on September 11th. Talk about what the goals are that night and who's going to be in attendance and what you guys hope to accomplish. Well, obviously, September 11th is a, it's a date that everybody remembers where they were when that happened. We, we want to recognize that. We want to honor those that, that served. We want to honor our military, our first responders. We've got the former Atlanta Fire Chief Kelvin Cochran is going to be one of our speakers and two of our veteran Members of Congress, uh, Rich McCormick, who we've already talked about, and Congressman Barry Loudermilk. Rich McCormick is a Marine veteran. Congressman Loudermilk is an Air Force veteran. And we ad we additionally, we've invited the presidential candidates. Uh, Perry Johnson, who's a businessman running for president from Michigan, has uh, confirmed to join us. And former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, who interestingly, right after the Homeland Security Department was uh, instituted as, as a cabinet position, he served as the first undersecretary for terrorism and this was in the 2003 time frame so right as we were facing some of the most critical uh, decisions he, he served in that role so they're going to give us tremendous insight on the national security uh, status and what's going on there but this is this is a, a reminder of what we're working for we're working to continue to build a nation that is free safe and full of opportunity and and we're going to be celebrating freedom because that's what it's all about when you look and you talk about 2024 and you, you can sit there and say, look, we're not going to take a position in a primary, and I wouldn't blame you for doing that. But when you look at with the people that you talk to and the, and the candidates that are running for president that interact with you guys, what are the main issues that you hear that maybe people are not seeing on television all the time? Well, you all, all you hear on is all you hear right now on television is indictment watch. You know what? Oh, what's, it's horrible. What's what's going to be happening? You got you got cameras, you know, staked out in parking lots, hoping to see black SUVs roll up and all, all sorts of things. And that's that's not what the people are focused on. People they see the gas prices, they see what's happening uh, at the border, they see so many other issues that, like you said, they're they're not getting the time of day. Uh, and I, I think that's unfortunate, and I think it's a disservice to our nation. As you, you guys have formed over time a very cozy relationship with former President Trump, mainly because I imagine he was in the White House and you didn't have any choice. Uh, but what did you see of his time in office that you really had a lot of respect for, besides the first step back that we just talked about, where we that didn't get the national attention that it necessarily deserved? That's not to say it didn't get any. But what what about his time in office 
did you guys really have the ability to get behind and are you kind of secretly pushing for them today? Well, we're not secretly, but we're pushing for everybody. We just want our values to be advanced. And, and something that happened in the Trump administration that for, for because it was President Trump that should have gotten much more attention. And if it was any other president, probably would have gotten three Nobel Peace Prizes, but peace in the Middle East. The first peace deal since the 1990s in the Middle East with between Bahrain, uh, Israel, Bahrain, the UAE, Morocco, and Sudan, which is just unbelievable. That that since, since the peace deal with Jordan in the 1990s, I worked in international relations and on a, on, a, on the pro-Israel basis before I came into this position, and so that's a deal that's near. That is a uh, issue that's near and dear to my heart, but. Even more than it being important to me, it's important to our nation because Israel's our own, the only democracy in the Middle East and the our closest ally in the Middle East. And so, seeing some of the the positive results from there, getting out of the Iran nuclear deal, recognizing Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights, and maybe most importantly, recognizing Israel's capital as Jerusalem, which since the 1990s, Congress passed a law saying that Congress recognizes it as Israel's. Uh, capital, but every president has signed a waiver saying, well, we're not going to move the embassy. We're not going to move the embassy since the 1990s until... Because it was in Tel Aviv. It was in Tel Aviv, uh, and then under President Trump, he recognized what the facts were, and all the prognosticators, they said, oh, this is going to cause you know World War III. Everything with President Trump was going to cause World War III, but we actually had peace in the Middle East, and when he moved the embassy, there was no... There was no response, no response from uh, other countries in the Middle East, no even really response from the Palestinian side of things because they just recognize the reality on the ground. That's where the Knesset is. That's where Israel's capital is. And it's just a reflection of reality. And so I was very proud of the Trump administration for all that he did for Israel. As you look beyond one of the last thing I really want to get to is you, you guys are a conservative, a conservatives, conservative organization. And I don't say that in any other way than to say that is exactly who you guys are and you don't hide from it. Abortion and abortion restrictions in this country, if you look at it, it's one thing to say I'm in favor of the heartbeat bill or all the heartbeat bills around the country that you're starting to see after the Supreme Court threw out Roe versus Wade. Is your primary objective moving forward to continue to advocate on the stance of abortion to keep it that way from a federal judges and justices perspective, an education perspective? And do you ever feel like you guys just caught the car and weren't ready for the backlash? Well, I think I think many people were of that opinion. And, and there are a lot of people that said, well, this is doom and gloom for the Republican Party. They'll never win a national election again. Uh, and if you look at the heartbeat bill here in Georgia, I think last year a study came out that it saved between 20 and 22,000, 22, 20 and 22, between 20 and 22,000 lives just last year alone. And for, for comparison's sake, that's about the city of Ackworth. I live in Cartersville. That's about the population of the city of Cartersville. And those are real people. Those are people that have the chance at life because of courageous leadership like Governor Kemp and my good friend, uh, now State Senator Ed Setzler, who who led the charge on that that piece of legislation. And you're seeing, like you said, you're seeing that across the state. And so our, our contention is to save lives. But beyond that as well is, we are pro-life. We're not just pro-birth. We are people that recognize that there need to be solutions for the people that find themselves that would be considering that painful choice of abortion. They need to be able to have the resources from their community, from their churches. My wife volunteers at our local women's resource center. I mentioned the TANF benefit bill, the temporary assistance 
benefits for needy families that backdates it so that when somebody becomes pregnant, they can get those benefits, recognizing that when life begins, when you're going to actually have these issues. So I think moving forward, we're going to continue to advocate to save lives uh, in a pro-Israel fashion, but we're also going to uh, make sure that people receive the, the, the resources that they need for not maybe not from the government because the government when they get involved in something you look at the VA at the yeah, national level they great. mess it up. Uh, so we're we're excited we're excited where the movement is and we we think it's a winning issue. Looking forward, if there was an issue that you wanted to bring to the table that you guys don't advocate for today or something that you guys are talking about doing as a body, what is it? Well, we have a number of things uh, that we're currently working on. And I, I think right now school choice uh, is, is, is our number one issue. And, and I know we've already talked about that a little bit at length, but getting that done for the state, we've seen it all across the nation and in several other states, but that gives students and parents an opportunity to choose that might not otherwise have that opportunity. And so that, that's for the next legislative session, that'll be our top issue again. That's Mac Parnell from the Faith and Freedom Coalition. This is Atlanta's all-conservative talk station, Extra 106.3. We will be right back. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. This is the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3, Atlanta's all-conservative talk station. I want to thank Mac Parnell from the Faith and Freedom Coalition for stopping by to talk about gala on September 11th, proceeds to that event fund their ongoing efforts to advocate towards social issues with respect to the state of Georgia. Not like social issues like you hear on MSNBC and ABC News, right to life issues, respect to school choice, things that conservatives in some pockets actually get behind. He's got a couple of tickets left, so if you're interested in going, tickets start around $100. It is nearly sold out. Almost 1,200 people will be in attendance that night. Congressman Rich McCormick and Congressman Barry Loudermilk will be there. Go make a difference for the causes that you believe in and meet some new people with like-minded ideology. Final thing I want to get to today, President Biden had announced at the end of last week that $95 million from the bipartisan, quote-unquote bipartisan, infrastructure bill will be given to Hawaii in the aids of the rebuilding efforts in Maui. I lived in Hawaii for Six, seven years. I love to go back. In a lot of ways, it's home. My dad was stationed there. It's a wonderful place. If you ask me the most beautiful state in the country, it's that by a long shot. I'm a beach guy. I'm not a mountains guy, although I do, I do like mountains. There's something that pulls at me. When I saw the wildfires there last month, it really broke my heart because I know how remote it is in the country, and I know that a lot of the – it's 
It is more of a communal style of living. Nobody has everything there. There's a lot of single-car households. There's a lot of multi-generational living. It's unlike the Southeast for sure, but it's unlike most of the places in this country that you can live in. $95 million doesn't go very far in Hawaii. Your average price for real estate if you buy a single-family home is almost $1.5 million. If you take that math on its face and you are only going to rebuild houses, you're going to rebuild about 50 of them. And Maui's not big, but Maui's not that small either. They want to rebuild some of the infrastructure with respect to wastewater treatment plants, the power grid. They want to reconnect a lot of the communities to electricity. It's not going to go very far. And I'm one of the guys who sits there. I am not against public funding for infrastructure projects. But your co-ops and your power companies are guaranteed a rate of return. Every year, Southern Company guarantees you a rate of return if you invest in them. Duke Energy does as well. That is one of two or three regulated industries in the United States where a publicly traded company can exist that you can always run to for safety. Public Service Commission in most of the states regulates rates. And most of the time, they keep the shareholders in mind when they look at advancing technology. But it also brings me to the topic of Hurricane Adalia, which struck Florida, South Georgia, and South Carolina earlier in the week. And I started reading about FEMA and what takes place during a natural disaster because I sat in local government. I don't remember dealing with FEMA one single time, but anytime there's a big natural disaster, you hear about them. FEMA helps with emergency preparedness. FEMA was the first line of defense with COVID should there be a pandemic. They train people all over the country, both public sector employees, and private sector contractors. They help in situations specific to floods, hurricanes, earthquakes, and forest fires. So I guess that's where it qualified in Hawaii, even though it wasn't necessarily a forest fire. It seemed to have been started by it seemed to have been started by a down power line. FEMA also provides disaster assistance to individuals, families, and businesses whose property have been damaged and destroyed and whose losses are not covered by insurance. One of my biggest problems with Washington, D.C. and the General Assembly are the levels to which they go to protect certain industries. Your phone companies and cable companies have no desire to maintain any sort of integrity or quality to your downtown business districts. You see that a lot in Metro Atlanta. If AT&T wants to throw up a telephone pole, there isn't a damn thing you can do about it. You can spend tons of money burying utilities, making things go away. AT&T, gets the oper- AT&T has the opportunity to put those poles anywhere they want to go. But those are rich man's problems. You look at the bearing of utilities, something like that in Maui, would you trade underground utilities for knowing that it probably mitigates risk in such a remote part of the country from a excessively spreading wildfire? Sure, even if it's $2 million a mile. The best thing Maui County or the island of Maui can do is probably bury utilities from something like that. It's so hard to get to. Even if they have an awesome public safety system, even if they even if they have an awesome fire department, it is one of, if not the most remote place in the country. But when you look at FEMA's roles and responsibilities, a lot of times you can't get homeowners insurance on a beach property in Florida. Why is that my problem? I'll save the wildfires conversation. That happens. That's a significant act of God. No question about it. But hurricanes on the Gulf Coast and in Florida and up and down the eastern seaboard, up and down the southeastern coast, up through North Carolina and Virginia, they happen every year or two. Plenty of people choose to live there and know that they can't get homeowner's insurance. 
or personal property insurance. And they don't do anything about it. They just sit there and live. And if something were to ever happen, they send a bill to the federal government. I am a conservative, business-friendly Republican. And I believe that if you have the ability to take care of yourself, you take care of yourself. I do not, for the life of me, think it's fine for my tax dollars to go subsidize the rebuilding of your beach house because you couldn't get insurance. There are, when we talk about issues that take place in this country, paying $2 million to rebuild somebody's house that they chose to willingly live in on the Gulf Coast of Florida and they couldn't get homeowner's insurance, but they had to be on the water, that sounds like a you problem. And I don't say that to make me sound like I'm an insensitive person. I'm not. But I don't live there. You don't live there. And just because you have the ability to make something work doesn't mean that you should sit there and put the burden of your decision on a taxpayer. That is part and parcel one of the top five things that is wrong with the people in this country. I'm sympathetic to people who lose everything in a natural disaster because the odds that that is you, it's, it, it can, I am sympathetic to people who can lose something in a natural disaster. Everybody knows somebody whose family has suffered some sort of fire and been displaced. Everybody knows one person. And I think that by and large, the community around you typically lifts them up. You submit your insurance claims. They see if there was anything wrong, sort of wrongdoing. And if there wasn't, you know, you the insurance payments cut back. But I've seen my homeowner's insurance rates rise. I've seen everything rise. At this point in 2023, with the financial situation that this country is in, it is not my responsibility to pick up the check because you willingly chose to live somewhere. I'm not talking about the people in Maui. Those may have been power li- in Maui, those may have been power lines that weren't turned off or weren't appropriately cared for, knowing that there was a hurricane blowing out in the Pacific Ocean, 60 or 70 or 80 mile winds, and it was a really unfortunate set of circumstances. I'm not putting that on a homeowner. But if you live in Florida, 180 days a year or 365 days a year, and you got to be on the water, I don't care. I'm sympathetic if you lose everything. You assume that risk when you move down there. We've got big news on the Ben Burnett Show. We are hiring. If you are interested in coming to work with the program and the platform, reach out to me on social media, at Ben Burnett on Twitter, at the Ben Burnett Show on Instagram. I am in the content generation game, and I am getting to a place where I am willing to take creative people and put them to work. So if you're looking for a second job or you're getting a career started, reach out to me. This is Extra 106.3, Atlanta's all-conservative talk station. Thanks for making me a part of your day, and we'll see you next weekend. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win.
When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs. With Blue certified, nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. <sighs> or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at Camp Margaritaville Lanier Islands.com. 